The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Stallion. Yes. Let's talk short-term rental. Why is the short-term rental space so important for us to be talking about today? I think it is super important because it's changing. Um, Two and a half years ago, when we brought this idea to you and said, hey, we're launching this business, it looked a little different. Like the the actual environment was totally different. And I think we need to, it's, it's good for us to bring this back up. Well, I, I, yes, the environment's different, but what is the same? For many people, you're still working in your nine to five or your six to 12. I mean, you know, like your 24 hour a day job and you're looking for an avenue to create a stream of income that doesn't take another 25 to 50 hours out of your week. That's why this is so important. Like the short-term rental space can produce three to five to 10 to 25,000 a month in cash flow in a relatively short period of time with not a ton of capital, as long as you know what to do and know what mistakes you need to avoid. No doubt, no doubt. And I think this update from Clint actually gives you a better picture of some of the things that you wanna stop doing or never start doing as you get into this business. Because what's the biggest potential threat to you in the short-term rental space is starting on the wrong foot and getting yourself behind. That was one of the, the takeaways I got from today. Oh, and, and by the way, Joey mentioned Clint. Uh, it's not like Clint, like it's like a Madonna. Clint is our operator for our short-term rental business, as you'll find out as we go through this in the in the episode. But this is the person who's been running our business. We're almost at 30 units now. And he now does this in his sleep, literally in his sleep, because he has <laughs> virtual assistants and systems that run without him having to have his hand on the wheel. And I think you're going to have an idea to, as we pick out some of the ideas that are maybe opportunities, what are some of the things that we need to stay away from? What would you do if you had no money and no time? What would you do if you had all the money in the world? Clint answers all those questions. Let's take nothing more away from this interview with Clint. Love it. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, you love the short-term rental business. I'm so glad to have back our operator, Clint Lovett, in the house. Clint, thanks for being on the show, man. Good morning, guys. Glad to be back. Yeah. Hey, by the way, how's it going in the STR business today? 
It's going good. Uh, we had a, a good October and November's looking pretty good. So all is well. So, so Tuesday, by the way, just letting you on, letting you into what happens on Tuesday, Joey and I meet with Clint. Clint tells about all the, all the fun things that are going on. Uh, some of the interesting happenings when they, when they go down, but also we have a very high level meeting on the numbers, which I think is really interesting for most of our, our audience, Clint, is that they are either one of many different people. Maybe they just want to be a pure investor like Joey and I are. Maybe they want to be an operator of the business similar to what you are, right? So I want to make sure as we cover things today that we let them see both sides of the aisle, if you will. Absolutely. So I want to start at this because we started this business in June of 2020. And if you've not listening to some of the previous episodes, definitely call you back to go back and hear kind of how we started it, why we started it, some of that. But the question I have for you, if, if, if we had to start this thing, like tear it down and start it over from scratch, what would you do differently? I think one of the things I would do, uh, differently, which we've, we've done, we just didn't focus on it. Um, right at the beginning is, kind of focus on building a brand um, a little bit more in the beginning. We focused on the obvious things like the online travel agencies, Airbnb, Verbo, that kind of thing. But I think now that we've, you know, we're two and a half years into this almost, um, I can see that the amount of direct bookings and the amount of repeat business and just the percentage markup that we get on a direct booking is so much better. Um, you can control the customer experience so much more. So probably would have focused on building that brand a little bit more in the very beginning. Um, and then the other thing I, th I think we would have done differently is instead of focusing on uh, one guest avatar, I would have probably built out multiple guest avatars because that's kind of how we've evolved the business um, based on demand. Mm. Um, so we've seen a lot of, Hey, we need two and three and four bedroom units because we got a lot of local families that relocate because they've sold their house and they need a three week stay or they're renovating and they're redoing their hardwood floors and they need a week stay. So um, that's kind of evolved from a demand standpoint. But if, if we had focused on not just the business travel and the traveling nurse and focused on one bedrooms only in the beginning, we probably would have had that business um, from the very beginning. So those are kind of the two things. Let me ask you a further question on that. When you say, focus on building the brand or more time spent on that? Like are some practical things that you think somebody, let's say that they're just starting their short-term rental business now, um, they've taken your course and they're like, man, this is awesome. How, what would you tell them practically to do to build that? Uh, I mean, just a few simple things that they can do is number one, you want to start, you know, the LLC, you want to get your business name, um, you want to make it a name that is marketable. So not just, Hey, Joey STR LLC, um, you know, something like a wake up in Birmingham or something creative, create yourself a, a logo, get yourself some business cards. Um, those are just some simple steps that you can use. They're cheap, they're easy. But then when you're out talking to people, when you're walking properties, when you're walking apartment communities, whatever your strategy is, when you're talking to owners of rentals that you want to turn into short-term rentals, you've got that logo, you've got that brand. Um, you can start handing out those business cards. And, and those are just some simple things um, that you can do. You don't have to necessarily start 
build yourself a custom website and all that jazz. But uh, having that name and having that logo and being able to talk about your business like it's a real business um, will go a long way. Do you feel like too too oftentimes short-term rental operators, especially those getting into the business, but even those maybe who've been in it for a while, lean on these these platforms like Airbnb and Verbo way too much? I think so. Um, I think, you know, the, the benefit of those platforms is that you can get up and running and profitable very quickly if, if you do it right. Um, but a lot of people don't make the shift to, again, creating their own business and then treating it like their own business. So, you know, there's all these courses or all these YouTube videos, you know, how to run an Airbnb business and make, you know, seven figure income, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, you're working for Airbnb. You have an Airbnb job. So you got to ask yourself, do I want to be beholden to one platform and basically whatever they say goes, or do I want to diversify and build myself a business so that if something happens to Airbnb, I mean, let's say Airbnb's platform got hacked and they went down for three or four days. Well, for us, that's 45% of our income, not a hundred percent. Right. So that's that's kind of my mindset is I don't, you know, I, I like Brian Chesky, I guess, but I don't want to work for him. <laughs> well, I mean, you're bringing up a great point, though. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. If we're depending on one revenue source, then there's one point of failure, right? There is the singular point of failure that could cost us our livelihood for, you know, Joey and I are utilizing this more as an investment within multiple other things that we're doing. But if if Airbnb goes down, they're hacked or they change their social policy that for whatever their social policy is, if it disagrees with yours. I mean, like think about the Twitters, the Facebook, the Instagram. There's lots of these platforms out there that people have built businesses off of. Right. And they said something or posted something that violated the terms and agreements of those who set those terms and agreements, the one who owned the company. And just that that one thing shut their whole business down, eliminated yep. their business from sight. Well, that that's a really interesting point that you're making. Not only are we susceptible to their business being hacked and it having some sort of delay that would impact us, but also at the same point is that truly if we're dependent 100% on their marketing, then we are at the mercy of whatever they decide to do. If it doesn't agree with us, either we have to cancel our business or agree with them and disagree in silence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a great example is uh, this summer, uh, Airbnb changed a bunch of their algorithms and they went to this new you know, categories and promoting experiences and all this stuff. Well, when they did that, there were people that had lakefront properties that had waterfront properties on the beach that weren't even listed in the lakefront category or a waterfront category. And most of them didn't even know about it. So they went 30, 45 days and they're like, what happened? Like the switch just got turned off. We're not getting booked at all. And all these people suffered this summer because of that change. And if we had been strictly just on Airbnb, uh, or any of the other just platforms, then we would have been affected as well. Mm. I, I want to follow up that as like one of those issues that you see other operators dealing with that makes you cringe. Like, <laughs> ooh, 
I wish they would know better than to do that or this. Are there other things that you see these operators or someone new to the business doing that you're like, man, let me save you some time and some heartache. Don't do X, Y, or Z. What would those things be? Um, I think there's probably three main things that I see um, people get excited. They jump into the business and, and just try to go get whatever started. Um, so they don't start with creating a guest avatar. And what I mean by that is, you know, who are you trying to serve? A lot of people jump into this business and they're just like, I'm going to get two bedroom apartment. I'm going to furnish it. It's going to be awesome. And people are going to book it. And they have no idea who they're trying to serve. They don't curate that listing towards that guest avatar. And they really lose. They try to serve everyone. And in doing that, they serve no one. Um, so that's a big, big mistake that I see people make. The other two are kind of the, the DIY approach. Um, I'm going to do my own photography. I'm going to do my own design. Um, and you can get on Airbnb or Verbo or whatever, and you can tell who a prof who's a professional operator and who is Joe Blow that took some pictures with his iPhone at, you know, 730 at night with five different colors, you know, in the background, five different light bulbs and, and that kind of thing. So doing your own photography and doing your own design is a bad idea um, because your photography is, is a digital asset that will live. It's probably the single biggest return on investment. You mm -hmm. spend 300, 400 bucks um, getting a professional photographer in and that's going to live for a long time, 10 years. So that the DIY approach is, is never good. But it's not good for them. It's good for us, right? Like, because I, <laughs> I, I mean, I hear lots of comments like, man, Airbnb and VRBO, like that's just, that, those are on the downturn. I'm going to start going back to, to staying at hotels because I've just had so many bad experiences. And I, I, I don't know if you would disagree with this. My assumption is that what they're getting is there's not a lot of consistency in the space because of a lot of the DIYers. And we get on these sites and there's so many options, it turns us into Walmart-based shoppers, right? Like we're saying, okay, well, here's a two-bedroom, it's 150 a night. Here's a two-bedroom, it's 160 a night. Here's a two-bedroom, it's 155 a night. Here's a two-bedroom, it's 250 a night. Nah, you looking at that one, right? So then we're like in the... 150 to 160 range and we choose and we disregard the fact that those three aren't super hosts. Those three don't have the review category that we would probably want in a place that we'd stay. But we're like, well, it seems like this is the price. It seems like this person is gouging as compared to, no, this is probably what the 250 person is probably what the price should have been. And because they're doing it in a consistent way, they're a super host. They have, like you said, professional photography. They've got all of the security things in, in, um, in line. So we, we have an experience that could be consistent across the board. Like what are some of those things like that that you see that a what is the difference, if you will, between an experienced operator and someone who is DIY? Yeah, I mean, you see um, you really see the hospitality industry kind of merging right now. Um, so uh, just a kind of funny example, I was on social media the other day and I saw a promoted ad and it was 
a guest checking into an STR. They didn't say Airbnb, but you could tell that's what it was. And there's a whiteboard on the wall and it's like house rules listed out. And it's just stupid stuff like don't use the downstairs toilet and don't make any sandwiches and just stuff like that. It was actually pretty funny, but the ad was done by Hilton. So one of the things you take away from that is, all right, well, that's kind of true. Like a lot of people have these quirky house rules and, you know, the consistency we talked about with Airbnb. But if Hilton is running ads on social media coming after SDRs, to me, that's a great thing. Um, That means, hey, you've got the attention of the big boys and you can see even in their commercials things that they've picked up from the short term world um, that people do that they're now starting to offer. And you start seeing the professional operators in the SCR business doing the same thing, you know, shifting towards a lot of the amenities that the hotels provide, like, you know, shampoo, soap, that kind of stuff, little things like that. Um, so those two worlds are kind of colliding. And so if you, if you look on the short-term rental side, if you see the operators picking up things from the hospitality world that the Marriott's, the Hilton's, you know, Hampton Inn, that, that kind of thing, um, and incorporating those things into their, into their business, then they're taking it serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of consistency that we need in this industry in order for people to trust it. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. Let, let me stay on this the topic now of opportunity because you just kind of hit on the fact that you've got somebody else at the top, the big dog's attention that smells like opportunity. What, what else do you see in the short-term rental space now, two and a half years later, as maybe new opportunities or things that weren't clear then that are now that you're taking advantage of in the space? Yeah, I think um, what, what I see right now is the medium-sized markets um, are really probably still underserved. Um, there's a lot of tools that I use to analyze different markets and just see what's going on. Um, and, and across the board right now, if I go out and search, okay, if I were to go buy a property and turn it into an SDR, what's my highest return on investment that I'm going to get? Across the board, it's going to pull up probably the top 50 to 75 markets right now are all medium-sized markets. Um, and medium size, what is that? Like, give me an average population or give me a couple of cities that would help me understand what is a medium size market. So I would say um, your 500,000 population uh, okay. and below. Um, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a, a vacation, you know, a destination city. Um, but smaller markets, because you've had, in the last couple of years, you've had a ton of large investment um, into the, the short-term rental world. So you've got a bunch of these big funds, you've got 
you know, hedge funds, you've got large companies investing because they're seeing the returns that people are getting in this industry. So you've got a lot of those companies that have come in and even in Birmingham, uh, where we're, you know, Metro Birmingham's right at a million people, the number of listings in Birmingham is more than doubled just in this year. Um, so there's a lot of money flowing into the space, but it's focused on kind of the larger markets um, because that's where you can get a lot of inventory real quick. So the medium-sized markets, you know, and even like the vacation rail side, like Gulf Shores and the Blue Ridge Mountains, tons of money have been poured into those areas. Um, but there's still vacation rail spots and there's still um, markets that are urban that are, are medium-sized that are still underserved. Well, just I'm, I'm looking at, by the way, as you're riding down the road, you're like, help me understand what's a, a medium-sized market. What is the population of 2022, you know, this isn't perfect because it doesn't really account for all the suburbs, right? So, I mean, it's telling me Atlanta, and I'm assuming it's just saying Metro Atlanta has like 600,000 people. So clearly that is not, not right. accurate, Right. but that's probably just Metro, but like in Omaha, Nebraska, not going to have a ton of probably suburbs, Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, Okay. Yeah, so like if I pull up if I pull up a list in one of the tools that I use, and it gives me, I say, okay, I want to see the top, the 90th percentile returning markets that are going to give me the highest ROI. So, the top one right now is East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and it's returning a 56 percent return on investment. Oh, uh, East Stroudsburg, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Blakesley, Pennsylvania, you know, Houghton Lake or Houghton Lake, Michigan. So these are all what's considered to this tool um, medium sized markets. There's not there's not a large market that even pulls up on this list. Interesting. Well, I, I think that that's an opportunity as as we kind of I want to make sure as you're riding down the road, you're 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 you, maybe you're wanting to to find out if this is the option for you. Clint, if you're if you're starting out this business on a budget, right? Like if, I don't have a whole lot of time, so my budget of time is low, and I don't have a ton of built up capital, most likely because I've put it in places I can't touch, like four hundred one ks and IRAs and home equity and those type of items. Sorry, Stallion, I was cussing, but the so I don't really have tons of access to cash. What, what would be the way that you would help this person think through how to build the business so that they could get the most out of it in the limited funds and limited time that they have? Yeah, so I would, I would start with um, kind of asking the question of, of why. Um, you know, what's their goal in, in starting up this business and, you know, where do they want to be in a year, five years, 10 years? Uh, can, yeah. I, can I role play with you? Because I hear I, Joey has forced me to be on a lot of these calls lately. And I say force, meaning that um, he knows that I'm not the right one to be on it. But um, our our coaches are taking this financial freedom thing way too much to heart. And, and so we, we have more people reaching out to us than we have people to to help them right now. And so we're, we're working to, to solve that. We've got three new guys in training. But I've been listening to these calls. And the conversations are... I'm just going to give you one of them. I, I just want to be able to drop my kids off at the bus stop every morning and I want to be able to pick them up. And if I had the ability to bring in an extra three to 5,000 a month 
that would allow me to work in my job in a more part-time fashion, right? Like where most of the time people feel like they have to work 60 hours in the week so that way that they get paid the amount of money they need. But if they could make that three to 5,000 extra, it gives them the ability to go in at nine and leave at three kind of deal. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's, if that's your goal, then you want to essentially act like where you want to be. Um, so when you're, when you're running numbers, when you're looking at how do I get to that three to 5,000, if you don't have a ton of cash, then the strategy that you're going to take is what we've taken, which is the arbitrage model. Um, because you don't have to have a ton of cash to put down. You just need, you know, hopefully nothing for rent if you negotiate it right on the first month, but just, you know, a half month's rent maybe to get started and then the furnishings. Um, and there's even companies out there where you can rent the furniture um, if you want to, so you don't even have to put that cash down. Um, but if that's, if that's where you are and that's your goal, then you need to probably look at, I need to have, you know, anywhere from three to seven units up and running in order to produce that $5,000 that I need. And so you're going to start with that in mind and you're going to build your systems and you're going to put all the pieces in place in the very beginning to help you get to that $5,000 a month. Um, one of the mistakes I see people make, we've touched on this before, but is just kind of jumping in and not getting the proper training and not understanding how the tra travel channels work and not understanding dynamic pricing and how to, to maximize your revenue. And they just jump in and they either fail or they've got, you know, units that's producing a couple hundred dollars a month that should be producing $1,200 a month. So the whole act like where you want to be is set out your goals, set out your financial goals, set out your time goals. You know, if you only want to work, four or five hours a week in this business, you can do that. You can have six or seven units and work four or five hours a week, but you have to understand that that's a, a goal and a priority for you. And you have to set up your, your systems and your team in order to allow you to do that. By the way, Clint, great, great wisdom is being shared here. I don't want to miss the opportunity. If you have thought about being in the short-term rental space, we have a great opportunity for you for podcast listeners only. If you want to go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash STR course, we're giving a massive discount from our $2,000 course, probably one of the best in the business that we've seen. Um, and that's because Russ and I were not involved. It was only Clint and his, his insights and, and real life experience. Um, but you can get it today for $500. So if you are starting on a budget, um, as Russ and Clint just talked about, then this is a way to get in and get all the information so that you can kind of short, um, shorten the time frame to get your first one up and going. I don't well, want you to I, miss I, that opportunity. Uh, that, I'm good, glad you mentioned that, Stallion. The key is just that you don't want to make the mistakes that are going to prolong the time to get to where you want to go, right? 100%. Like too often times we feel like the, the, the way to go is just start. I'll just start. I'll figure it out. And by figuring it out, I don't need any course. I don't need any coaching. I don't need any help. But there's that old saying that if I was given three hours, 10 hours to cut down a tree, what would I do? Well, I, if it was a three-hour time limit, I'd spend the first two and a half hours sharpening the axe. 
right? And just that 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 mental image of streamlining the process instead of sitting there and banging it at that tree with a dull axe and just trying to brute force the thing instead of doing the thing that's the smartest way to accomplish it. And you've done an amazing job in that course, Glenn, of, of breaking down step by step. And by the way, I've, like you said, Joey, we've actually been through a lot of courses. We spent a lot more uh, than that. And I, I feel like the the 2000 was a significant discount from what it should have been. I think it should be a $10,000 course. Because right. if you can't get $10,000 in return on investment immediately in the first six months out of this thing, it, you, you have not implemented it. Because right. what we have saw in our business, and this year alone, we're approaching seven figures in revenue from the short-term rental business. And it's exactly what you've put in there, Clint, because you're the one operating. You want to build the course. You're like, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm doing it. All right. I, I have a couple last questions, and I, I know we need to go. For the person who's sitting in the seat, maybe they just sold a business. I just got off a call with a guy. He sold an e-commerce business for seven figures. And he's trying to decide what his path is. And, you know, we're going to go through the investor DNA and we're going to take a, a good look at what is the, the proper way for him to go. But let's just assume I come to you and I say, Clint, I got $5 million. Tell me how I should, how how you would operate the business if you had $5 million, what would you be doing differently that maybe cast vision that I can't see when I'm so close to it? Are you offering me $5 million, Russ? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how good your answer is, man. Come on. <laughs> Let's like, do it. What's the old saying? If, if it's a good deal for you, good deal for me, it's, it's unlimited capital. So absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, if I had $5 million right now, um, I would probably look for um, some land at uh, the lake or near the beach and uh, build some tiny homes mm. and uh, curate an experience uh, to go along with that stay. And, you know, we talked earlier about how the STR world and the hospitality world are kind of merging. And that's what I see even, even in our units where Birmingham's not a destination city. Um, but we've done some things that create a great guest experience and make that experience better for those people when they come to Birmingham, where they're not searching around for experiences. We're already creating some of those for them. Um, and that's what people want when they travel. And so if I could have a place for people to come to, curate an experience for them while they're there, where they don't even really have to leave the property um, and have 40 of those, um, on the same property, then that's, that's where I would go. You know, could, could you give me an example? I know you're a dreamer. Give me an example of what one of those experiences might look like. Um, so there, I was at a conference not too long ago and sat down next to a guy that owns some property up in Tennessee and has 25 tree houses, uh, that he's built. And it's just, an amazing experience from the time you go on the property. It's kind of, it looks like um, what the, the Ewok village, you know, from star Wars, Oh yeah, all, all these tree houses on this property. And I mean, it's, he's, he's crushing it. I mean, his, his average daily rate is, is insane. And, and these things aren't, you know, they're not big, you know, they're, they're almost like yurts in a tree. Um, but it's the experience that he's created. 
Um, so those are the kind of like unique experiences that that people are, I think, are really searching for. That's so cool. And Stallion, remember we we were actually learning different tax strategies when we were in Austin, Texas, from one of our good friends, Dave Zook, and he was talking about some of the tax benefits of actually utilizing something like a treehouse. It offers different levels of depreciation that may not be available to the regular thing. That's a, a higher level idea. You'll have to ask us about that inside the inner circle, of the Passive Income Mastermind. But Clint, man, so grateful to have you here. Uh, Joey, tell us, what's that? If they want to get into that course again, what's the link? Yeah, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash STR course for a 75% discount. You get it today for $500. And uh, yeah, Clint, you're the master of STR. Appreciate you being willing to come on and share an update to our audience so that they know exactly what's going on in the space and they can stay up to date. Happy to do it, guys. Anytime. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already taken the chance, please uh, rate and review the show. Um, every time you do that, it gives us an opportunity to learn and to grow, but also let someone else find it because that's the way the big, big tech algorithm works. And if you're listening to this and it's not already January the 6th, 2023, come join us in Birmingham, Alabama. We will have Clint there. We will be talking all things passive income, how to uh, create the income, how to create the tactics and how to build the connections so that you can become financially free. We're going to have massive action being taken in 2023. We'd love to, for you to be a part of it. If you want more details on that, you can go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash live. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.